Amen, amen, amen. And so teach us, O Lord, from your holy word. Okay, so this is always an interesting Sunday. It, it, it happens most years that the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. And so it's a little tricky liturgically, isn't it? So the first song that we sang had what kind of feel to it? A little Thanksgiving feel, right? That tune is from, and I think we sang the same tune last week, right? Different, yeah, different, different words, song, yeah. different words, but the same tune. Dun, 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 dun. So that's Thanksgiving. So we begin. This is kind of Thanksgiving Sunday, but it's liturgically the first Sunday of Advent, and so um, Thanksgiving we understand, right? <clears throat> Advent. Uh, I've become convinced we don't understand quite as well as maybe we, we think we do. For most of us, Advent equals Christmas, okay? We have the decorations. It's, it's an honest mistake that we make because, you know, we put the decorations up. Uh, Mary, the, the, the prelude songs had that, you know, kind of Christmassy feel, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Okay, so there's, there's a feel that we get. Um, Typically, we'd be having the kids' pageant, like next Sunday, I think it is, right? You yep. know, we do the kids' yep. pageant, so that would be going on. We'd be having some special concerts. And so it's an honest mistake we make that Advent gets confused or equated in our minds with Christmas. But Advent is not Christmas. Okay, repeat after me. Advent is not, not Christmas. Christmas. Okay. Advent is the four weeks before Christmas. Christmas is the 12 days that starts on Christmas Day. On December 25th, the 12 days of Christmas. Liturgically speaking, Christmas is a season, a 12-day season. And Advent are the four weeks leading up to that. Advent, our word Advent comes from a Latin word that means arrival or coming. And, of course, it refers to the arrival or the coming of the Lord Jesus, the coming of Messiah. And so we tend to look back at this time of year. We look back to the birth of Jesus. But Advent really should have us looking not back, but where? Forward. Look at your bulletin. Okay. Look at that morning prayer. <clears throat> In this Advent season, remove... This is the second line. So, so, so I'll start the whole thing. Faithful God, you call us once again to celebrate the coming of your Son, our Lord Jesus. So that's looking back. In this Advent season, remove those things that hinder our love for you, that when he comes again, he may find us waiting in awe and wonder for him. Hmm. Advent actually looks forward more than it looks back but unfortunately we kind of help the confusion because we mostly spend our time looking back advent reminds us that we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting on God to do something. And so we tell the story of Christ's birth. We look back. We look back in time to 2,000 years ago. We tell the story of Christ's birth to remind us that in our waiting, we can trust God because God is faithful. Because guess what? God's people waited for centuries and centuries for Messiah to be born. As God was faithful then, so he will be faithful now. 
Let us be patient in our waiting, but let us be expectant in our waiting. And so Advent properly understood is actually more about the return of Christ than the birth of Christ. Let's say that again. Advent is more about the return of Christ that we are waiting for. Come Lord Jesus. It's more about the return of Christ and anticipating that than it is about the birth of Christ. We rightly celebrate the birth, but it's, we, we tell the story of Christ's birth, of the arrival of Messiah, to encourage us to hang in there in our waiting for his return. Does that make sense? Okay, we're going to read a passage from Luke chapter 1. We probably don't read this one that often. <clears throat> this is known as Zechariah's song. Okay, now Zechariah, give a little context here. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. Okay, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth are unable to have children. So interesting a visit that Zechariah is a priest and so he comes from his hometown it's his time uh, to attend to the priestly duties in Jerusalem and while he's in the temple he has uh, a vision of the angel Gabriel the same Gabriel that visits Mary and speaks to Mary that she is going to be with child so Gabriel speaks to Zechariah and says your prayer has been answered you will conceive and Zechariah's like ah no way we're old how could that be and then the angel says, then you will not be able to speak because you've not believed me. Zechariah comes out, the people are a little like worried because he's been in there so long and he's unable to speak. And so Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist. When John is born, Zechariah's tongue is loose. He's able to speak again. And so this is Zechariah's song, okay? His father, that's John the Baptist, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And now speaking over his son. And you, my child, this is of John the Baptist, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace and the child that is John grew and became strong in the spirit and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel that's Zechariah's song <clears throat> It's, a, it's a, an expression that celebrates God's faithfulness. He has come and redeemed his people. So this, it's, it's as if Zechariah is saying, the long promises are now fulfilled. <clears throat> as he said through his holy prophets long ago, 
He talks about a holy covenant made with Abraham, an oath made to Abraham. That's a two roughly 2,000-year-old promise. So the time of Abraham, Abraham, I'm, I'm choosing you, I'm going to bless you through your family, I'm going to bless all peoples. From that promise, it's 2,000 years until the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Christ, which happened within months of each other. Hey, we're at 2,000 years, aren't we? <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Think how long that is. We, we think back to the birth of Christ, and that's like a zillion years ago. It's 2,000 years. That's how long Zechariah references that promise, that oath, that covenant. It has finally come about. God's people were waiting 2,000 years for that to happen. But if you think of the Old Testament, it is nothing but a story of waiting. So God promises to Abraham and Sarah, who cannot conceive, right, that you're going to have a child. Great. You know how many years it was till Isaac was born? 25 years. And you may recall the story. At one point, Abraham said, well, maybe God intended that some other way. And so he went and had a child by Sarah's servant, Hagar. And that led to the Ishmaelites and some of the long controversy and conflict in the Middle East is of the family of the Ishmaelites and the family of Isaac and the Israelites. Huh. How about that? Abraham, God had it figured out. 25 years. Hmm. They spent 400 years in Egyptian slavery. Remember that? Moses led them out. There were 40 years in the wilderness waiting to get to the promised land. David was anointed king while Saul was still king. And he waited patiently. He refused to lift his hand against the, the Lord's anointed. So David waited to be king. They spent 70 years in exile, right? They, they, the, they, they were uh, sent off to exile. We've just studied that recently. And this song of Zechariah is about 400 years since the last prophet has spoken in the Old Testament. The scholars call that the silent years. 400 silent years, no word from God. Has God forsaken us? Has God forgotten us? And then Zechariah's vision of Gabriel, the visitation, and then the birth of John the Baptist, and then this bursting forth of this prophecy, this song, this celebration of God's faithfulness. The long wait is over. That's what Zechariah is saying here. And we know that they lived happily ever after, right? That's the end of the story, right? There's no nothing else to the story of salvation in God's people. Oh, yeah, here we are, two thousand years later huh. we're waiting for God still to do something right we look at our world and we see the brokenness we see the pain we see the suffering we're waiting for God to fix it how long oh Lord deal with this injustice deal with this brokenness deal with the suffering deal with these lies deal with not just our own society but the world that is suffering Bring your kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy... And so, Advent is that... Advent's the way the church figured out to wait. And we connected the Advent waiting to the birth of Christ. We tell this, we rightly celebrate the birth of Christ. So don't get me wrong, it's good to celebrate Christmas. But remember what we said, Advent is not Christmas. Christmas is Christmas. <laughs> 
Advent is looking forward patiently. Advent is a way of looking. We're anticipating the return of Christ. He promised he would return. And so we tell the story of the birth to encourage us that, oh, God was faithful. It took 2,000 years for that promise to Abraham to get fulfilled, but there's still a fulfillment that's waiting, right? Every nation has not yet heard the gospel. Every tribe, every people has not yet had an opportunity to embrace Jesus. And so the waiting continues. And so Advent is the church's way of figuring out how to encourage ourselves while we wait. And it recognizes that waiting has an honored and treasured and holy place in the purposes of God. There's a blessedness. There's a gift, as it were, in, in the waiting. And so three gifts, real quickly, that I believe waiting Three gifts that waiting offers us. First is this. It weans us away from ourselves. And it weans us away from our pride. It weans us away from thinking that we're in charge here. (laughs) We have a lot of freedom and self-determination. In our society, each of us, we have means. And so we get to choose a lot of our lives. And we sometimes get to thinking we can choose everything in our lives. And so when we have to wait... We're reminded, oh, I guess I'm not in charge here. I'm not in control of things. This has been a somewhat of a frustrating time this year. We're now talking, what, nine months of this stuff, right? This COVID thing. Wow. And when's it going to be over? Can anybody tell me? And so we still wait. But waiting reminds us, oh, (laughs) that we're not in control But the good news is we have a God who is. There's a God who knows. There's a God who's shaping action, shaping purposes. And so the plan of salvation for human history is unfolding according to God's will. Thy will be done, we pray, rightly. And so one of the gifts of waiting is it it weans us away from our self and our sense of control. And we need to embrace that. Second, if we allow it, second gift is if we allow it, our waiting can draw us closer to God. Now, my experience is as a kid around the Christmas tree for a few weeks, I was uh, eager and frustrated and anxious and a little fearful that the thing, the toy I wanted, because it didn't sound quite rattly to be the thing that I had asked for. And so all kinds of emotions happen when we're waiting, right? Often it's frustration. Often it's disappointment. Often it's a negative uh, kind of emotion. If we allow it, the waiting and those negative emotions can lead us to cry out. How long, O Lord? But when we're crying out, how long, O Lord? You know, we have a word for that. When you're talking to God, what do we call that? Prayer. (laughs) And so the waiting leads us to prayer, a prayerful engagement and wrestling with God. And so it deepens prayer, it deepens trust, it deepens humility. Thy kingdom come. Not my will, but thy will be done. And that is a good thing. Because if we always get what we want when we want, guess what? We never learn how to wait. We never learn the patience and the character and the humility and trust. And, And we don't cry out too much to God. We experience God mostly in the valley rather than on the mountaintop. I think we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And so the second gift is that it draws us closer to God through a prayerful engagement. 
But I think the, the, the great gift of waiting is that it forms a hope in us. And hope is not a soft, squishy word. We tend to use hope a little in that kind of soft, squishy way. Boy, I sure hope my team wins today. It's like wishful thinking. Hope is what I was talking about with the children. <laughs> Knowing that every December 25th, these gifts are going to be open. It's going to happen. And so we can wait in hope. We can wait with confidence. Yeah, we can be eager. Yeah, we can be excited. But we can also be calm. Hope is an assurance of a future event. It's a knowledge. It's, it's a joyful, calm, confident assurance that something is going to happen. That future is secure. Now, most of us, when we think about the future, we don't think the future is secure. And so Advent gets connected to the birth of Christ, and we look back so that we can look forward. Oh, see how faithful God was? Yeah, it was 2,000 years. And yeah, it's been 2,000 years, but God is faithful. And so we tell the old story of Christ's birth and all these other old stories to remind us and encourage us that our future is secure with God. That God is always working. And He's working usually behind the scenes in ways that we can't see. God works behind the scenes... Beyond what our eyes can see, whether it's with Abraham, whether it's with Zechariah, he was convinced they're just not going to have children. They prayed and prayed and prayed, and then God answered that prayer. The manger led to the cross. The disciples had to wait from Friday to Sunday, but good things were coming. And now we find ourselves waiting. But let us wait with confidence. Let us wait with hope. So my question to Pastor Beckman is around this waiting around pandemic, how hard it is. So wh why is it so hard for us to wait in the pandemic and connect that to the spiritual truths of the scriptures? Well, it seems like what you're saying is that the church should be able, maybe more, more set up to wait hmm. than other hmm. people. And, hmm. and it's the first time I had thought about the fact that Advent is so much longer than the celebration of Christmas. Yes. The celebration of Christmas is so short, and then you take down the decorations, and you, it's New Year's, and then you move on with your life. There's this long waiting. And then in Easter, it's the same thing. We have this long 40-day period of Lent, yeah. which is another kind of waiting, anticipating time. Like the people of Israel the church ought to be able to wait well because we have such confidence in the hope. So why is it hard in the pandemic? I think it's because we tend to focus on Christmas and on Easter mm. and the end of the story as opposed to the waiting. We, we, we blow yeah. past the learning the rhythm of confident asking God to come, knowing that God will come, but still sitting in the place of asking yeah. and that's how i think we have to approach this pandemic right now is yeah. confidence that it will be over and that god is doing something in the midst of it um, we should be able to wait wait well through that because we have this confidence in christ yeah but we forget it we forget yeah hmm. does that make sense so this is a new way of thinking about 
telling the story? Because it's just not about the birth of Jesus. Jesus is not a little baby anymore, is he? Who is Jesus now? I mean, Jesus grew up, right? He's sitting at the right hand of He's... the Father, interceding for us daily. And when we see him, there will be scars, right? And so it's allowing the Christmas story to be told, but not, let's not get pulled into the world's understanding of the Christmas story, right? We tell the story to encourage us of God's faithfulness so that we can wait well, so that we can be the salt of the earth and the light of the world in a world that doesn't know how to wait, that is trying to seize control, that doesn't know how to cry out to God. And then we just patiently march on as God's people serving with faith, hope, and love. So. There's a, a resilience to the Hebrew people yes. that you see throughout history. There's no other people group like the Israelites, and even to this day, that have weathered so many storms. That's the way the church ought to be now because of the way Christ is, sort of able to take whatever comes at us with confidence and humility and faith in God that he is going to do what he's yeah. promised to do, even if it takes, you know, hundreds of years to accomplish it. We're maybe, how many, somebody do the math real quick. How many weeks are we at since middle of March when we shut down? Probably about 40 weeks, right? Is that what it is? A uh, little, little beyond that probably now, right? That'd be 10, 40 weeks would be 10 months, right? We haven't even waited 40 weeks. <laughs> let alone 40 years or 400 years. <laughs> and so I offer that not as a rebuke, but as a reminder, oh, we can do this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, the very story itself is set up to encourage us. God is working, bringing all nations, all peoples, all tribes to himself. That's the task. And so, and so we ought to, as we look forward, oh, he won't come again until every nation, every tribe, every people has been reached. This, this is an encouragement to the missionary endeavor yeah. and, to, and to prayer and intercession. So, Well, we got a few more weeks to talk about this stuff, okay? So let's, uh, we'll close here um, and let me uh, lead us in, in, in a brief prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the story. We love this time of year, and we love to tell the story of Christ's birth, and we love the memories, and we love our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren's joy. We, we love all of that, but Lord, help us not to forget why we tell the story, to remember your faithfulness. Thank you for Zechariah and the, the faithful remnant of Israel that was waiting, and they believed. So many had given up believing. And so help us to be part of that faithful remnant that believes Jesus is going to come again. And so renew us, even now as we've read this story, renew us in faith and hope and love that we would go from this place into this new week and we would go with new zeal to pray and to engage and to wait well and to serve and to love. And we offer this prayer in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Let's stand and sing, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. There's that same language, come.